I want to thank you, President Pastides, for coming back on the show. You know, I, I always love to have uh, interviews with you. You always give me the best stuff that I can ever dream of, you know, from an interview. Happy to be with you, Brian. You're usually wearing a uh, baseball hat, often with the New York team on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today looks like you have a tuxedo jacket. Hey, on, uh, you know, I had to, I had to, you know, dress up a little bit more. So since it's, you know, I'm graduating, it's gonna be our last one, unfortunately. Uh, so are you uh, gonna walk, Captain Gamble? <laughs> God willing, if I pass my final classes. <laughs> but yeah, I should be walking in May. Good. Look yeah. forward to meeting any uh, family or guests who are there. Definitely. Thank. They'll be coming down from New York. So definitely. Thank you. So first, I want to just catch up with you. What's what's new with you? What have you been up to? Well, you know, because you expect me probably to start with basketball, let me not and say that uh, it's always an active time. This uh, for the spring is certainly the busiest time of the year. We've got legislative uh, activity. We're asking for uh, new funding and more funding for the university. We've got a lot of academic events. Now, your audience may not be overly impressed, but we have the former prime minister of Tunisia, who I'll be meeting in about an hour, hosting him for lunch, who's actually a leader uh, in the uh, North African Arab world, uh, a leader for democracy, so I'm excited about meeting him. Uh, and tomorrow we have Francis Ford Coppola, one of the most heralded uh, directors uh, in uh, American uh, cinema, who will be with us doing a presidential leadership dialogue, so it's a great time. Wow, that's definitely very exciting. Um, with what you're saying you're meeting with the former Prime Minister of Tunisia, what will you guys be discussing? Well, he is here to give a, a more School of Business dialogue on um, uh, various things relative to the economy uh, of Africa and other uh, issues related to democracy. But at lunch, this is supposed to be a social and or casual lunch. But I could tell you just because behind the scenes what my uh, staff has to do and what Patricia and I also look at is what would he eat, what are his patterns, what can't he eat, what are the customs and or habits relative to food, Prayer, yes, no, and so it's not a not a trivial thing. Yeah, definitely, it's a lot of prep work, for, you know, for a lunch. Now, well, I was going to ask you about um, the basketball game, but you actually brought up another question. I was going to ask you. You mentioned Dalmore School Business being ranked number one again in international business. You know, what does being ranked number one mean, and how do we get more recognition for some of our other programs that aren't ranked number one, like yeah. the international business? Well, it's a, it's a two-sided coin, and by that I mean when you get a great ranking, you love it, but uh, you also know that there's a superficiality to it, and I wish actually we didn't have rankings. I wish we had student-run qualitative evaluations of programs, kind of like we do of professors. Uh, the real issue is, do I learn what I need to navigate the professional world and the best people to answer that are not academicians and people who do who fill out the ratings but are graduates and I would argue the employers of the graduates now if there could be a ranking like that I'd be really uh, excited about it but instead you do kind of uh, chase the rankings that are semi-quantitative you know you know tell me that the, the, these statistics and that and those and they put them in a cauldron and bubble them up and someone gets a high ranking and some doesn't. I don't mean to mean that it's that crass, but there is a crassness to it. In terms of how do you get uh, rankings, um, you know you know, uh, or you hope you know what the criteria are, and a dean who is frankly evaluated on performance is going to try to 
uh, make the changes that will lead to higher rankings. Okay, great. I think your idea about having more of a different way of ranking with, you know, more graduates, you know, alumni, or not alumni, but graduates looking at how great program are, program, programs are, I think that definitely makes yeah. sense. So, for example, at the undergraduate level, U.S. News and World Report, you know, so the rankings are very much about who you admit. So if you want to go to a high-ranked school, you got to go to one that's hard to get into and one that is not open to educating as many qualified people as it can. I would rather see a ranking that looks at how we do with the students we have. Where do we take them from where they start to where they graduate? But instead, a student and their parents are going to be looking at uh, how selective the school is, which really is how many do they turn down. And I think that's probably not the best way to look at it. Now, let's look at um, the most recent news, the Duke game. Sweet 16, one of only two countries in America to have two teams in the Sweet 16, Baylor being the other one, and that's our showdown Friday night, 729 tip, I believe. Uh, being in Greenville to watch the men um, beat Duke in a comeback after we shot atrociously under 30% to come back and to score, uh, frankly, as many points and a half as we uh, scored in some entire games during the year. Uh, to do it convincingly, uh, I knew with about three minutes left in the game, which is a lot of time in basketball, that we were hopefully going to win. And with two, became increasingly confident. Someone I was there with said, it's not over yet. Duke is too good. They shoot three-pointers. We're going to mess something up. I said, have faith. Um, I only had partial faith, by the way. <laughs> and, um, and, and then to go in the locker room to be showered with uh, whatever they were. Uh, showering with, I think it was ginger ale. Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think in that setting uh, to see Coach Martin become sentimental uh, to uh, to get in the middle of a huddle with basketball players who were pounding me as their president because they couldn't control themselves to go to the press conference, you know, the whole thing, and then and then this evening, of course, we're having a send off for both the men and the women. What is it like to have two? teams in the Sweet 16, because not a lot of schools can brag about that. Well, you know, again, I didn't expect it. I was hoping we would be a tournament team on the male side. Now, let me be clear, on the women's side, I was hoping to, and still am hoping, to get to the Final Four. So, you know, because Coach Staley has increased expectation, she likes it that way. You might ask me, aren't you putting a lot of pressure on that team to say you expect them to get into the Final Four? Maybe, but that's that's the reality. And that's where Duke was coming from on the male side. I saw before the game in their fans a maybe even, I would say, a complacency. I thought they were here to go through the motions. They were, um, I'm not sure, I'm telling you what it looked like to me, what it felt like to me when they were on their iPhone. I thought they were booking their hotels for New York. I, I, and by the way, I'm not I'm not teasing them, nor am I, you know, taking any, you know, I'm just saying that's what a good program does. That's what we do with our women's side. We think we're going to Dallas. I'm already looking at can I get to the Final Four in the on the women's side. In the men's side, I wasn't thinking that. Uh, I filled out a bracket that said that uh, Duke would lose to Troy. Now, I knew that was a long shot, but I said, well, that's probably 
If we're going to the Sweet 16, that would be the way it would happen. Troy pulls the upset. We beat Troy. We go to New York. And instead, we beat Duke. And that was... Um, you know, I don't know. In your president, in a presidency, you have only so many moments like that, and that was that was one of them. Is that one of the more special sports moments that stands out to you since you've been here? Oh, sure. And there have been many, but that is definitely one of them. And I, I feel a little uh, gluttonous because I've had many. I've had two College World Series championships and a near third. I have had five eleven-win seasons in a row and lots of bowl games. We have had an SEC East championship in football. We have done so well. Women's soccer made it to the Elite Eight last year. Equestrian national champions. But I'm going to put, and of course, women's basketball. But this is one that I'm going to put uh, on that list. Where, where it is, you don't exactly know. If you said, is it the greatest? I, I couldn't answer that because there have been others. And I think you need some time away from it. But I can tell you one thing. Um, that I want with Co- I want Coach Martin to know that he's raised the bar, and so Gamecocks will never again be complacent with a mediocre season. I mean, that's just the price of success. Yeah. And I want us to come back and put not to put pressure on him, but to say we want to we want to go every year. That's a good point. I think I think that's definitely the attitude right now. Now. Is there, a, when you have such a successful basketball season, or whatever season it is, is there, is that, when you talk to other presidents from other universities, is this something that you brag about? Is this like, you know, you have no. one up? No? No, never do. No. If someone congratulates you, you, uh, uh, you are uh, humble about it and just say, well, yeah, had a good year. No, it is nothing you ever brag about that's kind of uh, uh, verboten. Uh, there's no rule about it, but that just wouldn't be, uh, that would be an uncouth thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's like the embarrassment of riches, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I don't mind telling you that uh, President Clements of, Cle- of Clemson University uh, wished me luck before the game and congratulated me after the game in a text message, and I think that was a really stand-up thing to do. I'm surprised. Wow. Um, that's interesting. Now, let's talk about this... Um, this uh, issue you've been very um, spoken about supporting. It's this $50 million for a new medical school, part of um, a bond that's uh, in front of the state Senate. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about it and why you support Well, let me back up a little bit and say uh, the USC School of Medicine was um, uh, started in the 1970s uh, during a time when Veterans Administration hospitals that had land and buildings allowed a local university to kind of move in. So we never built our, we never built a medical school in Columbia ever before. Uh, Now it's been uh, many years later, the buildings are very deteriorated and the VA is also telling us that they're gonna begin charging a lot of rent for those buildings. So it makes no sense to spend millions of dollars on renovating buildings that don't belong to us. And so we thought the taxpayers get a better deal and the medical students get a better education in a building that is designed and built for medical education. Uh, It's about a $150 million uh, project, but we thought uh, by asking for 50 from the state, they would be a one-third investor in it and help us to get out from these uh, old and deteriorating buildings. So that's why we're enthusiastic about it. It seems like a smart business decision. Yes. Um, But there's been some lawmakers that have been, you know, a little hesitant on it. 
Do you know why they have? I do know why, because they prefer that a bond bill be spent on renovating buildings. It's just a, a philosophical thing. They don't think it should be spent on building a new building. And I get it. A bond bill, they want to take care of existing state property that have leaks or, you know, broken windows or need new HVAC systems. And we do too, by the way. That is a great purpose for a bond bill. What we're saying is we agree with that, but these buildings are not our, not our own. It's not state property. It's federal property. And so could you not indulge us and allow us to take the equivalent amount of money that it would take to fix these buildings that are not ours, add twice as much money of our own that we come up with, and build a new building? And so that's it. it you know, it, it has been pitted as we want it, and they are saying, no, it's not quite like that. It's just we're trying to convince them that this is a better expenditure of tax, taxpayers' money. That makes sense. I think a lot of people agree that it just from a financial standpoint, it would make more sense. It, it would be like if you own something uh, and it needed great repair. It could be, let's say, part of your home. It could be a garage. I mean, just not, not the whole home necessarily. And the contractor comes in and gives you a bid, and he or she also says, I could actually get you something better, more suitable to what you're, you're using this building for, for less money, or even for the same money, um, if you let me, if we start start anew, you'd probably do that. Yeah. But that, that that's really what this is like. Okay, that's interesting. That's been a very hot yeah. topic. Um, now, this school year, um, we've seen, we've had the 2016 presidential election, and I mean, obviously, I'm only 21, but from what I know, this is, right now, we've seen more political rhetoric and demonstrations on college campuses, probably since maybe Vietnam, maybe. Um, what are your thoughts about political rhetoric and de- demonstrations on public university campuses? Well, uh, it depends on what you mean by that. I uh, First of all, I applaud it, and I commend it, and I look forward to it. That's what universities should be bastions of debate, civil debate, not nasty, not physical, but passionate debate, so I love it. Um, You know, we haven't had here, nor I would argue in the South, as many of the more violent uh, demonstrations. There was one in a small private college in Vermont, there have been some out in Berkeley, And uh, we don't know what tomorrow will bring, but I I do believe, I agree with you, I would say, that um, this is an unprecedented uh, time, and college campuses seem to be a a focus of that. And by the way, lest you think or you think that I think that all of our students are to the left, I don't believe that at all. I think there's a great diversity uh, of opinion, but the opinions are held fervently. There are very few people in the middle anymore. There are very few people. There are people who say I'm independent and I could vote Democrat or Republican, but uh, but in general, people's ideas, whether it's about immigration or tax reform or health care or military spending or terrorism, who are kind of uh, pretty much uh, in boxes in the corner. Do you see a problem with this, you know, 
this heightened political um, tensions that we're having. Do you think it's uh, do you, have you seen any harder, uh, more difficulty when in your job when you've dealt with people from outside the university or something like that? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I you know, pro- problems maybe not, but challenges absolutely. I, you know, uh, when you know that someone who is speaking with you or working with you has a, a political mentality. Uh, you need to work with that, you know. But I think the challenge to me is to not compromise who I am, not to tell people just what I think they prefer to hear, while at the same time not being in your face disagreeable. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're, you know, last night we had a, a forum for, for students mainly on diversity and inclusion, and we had voices that were, uh, that expressed uh, same things that we're talking about now. And I, I think people, they're just looking for good communication and a, a good place to uh, know that their their feelings are respected. I think that what we had last year when we had the um, primary and um, when we had all the different primary candidates come to campus, you had Hillary, Bernie Sanders, Marco Rubio, I think that embodied the type of diversity that we had and there was no brawls, you know, there was no violence. I think that really embodied what we have here. And I have to agree with you that it is a lot more diverse this campus than I think the South gets is imagined to have, you know. Absolutely. We're stereotyped a lot. And uh, um, look, stereotypes usually come from a truthful place. And it is true that we have a warm climate and we're hospitable. And our tea uh, comes with sugar. Uh, but if people were to say, and you're all... Uh, you know, red, uh, uh, red state people, or your students are all one way, they're all, you know, fraternity. So, I mean, th- those are not true. We're an extremely diverse culture, and we have students here from over 100 countries, by the way. Wow, that's a lot. I, I didn't even know that. <laughs> I couldn't name 100. Yeah, yeah, no way. They're represented here. Well, I think you grew up with people from more than 100 countries in oh, Queens. Maybe on, maybe on my floor. Uh, yeah, just your floor. Maybe. <laughs> so now um, you know, we're at the end of the semester um, what is your plans for the end of the spring semester what's your outlook well um, going to start with a trip to the Sweet 16 uh, or two trips to the Sweet 16 uh, but you know uh, right right thereafter I'm beginning for I'm beginning to plan for graduation hmm. I, uh, you, you know, I know students who may be viewing this are going to be Columbia graduates, the seniors, uh, but I start by going to commencement in Beaufort and Lancaster and Aiken and Sumter and Union and Salkahatchee and uh, Spartanburg and the law school and the med school and the doctoral hooding and then three in Columbia on the final weekend and so it's a trek and it's over a two-week period and I'm going to be right after the Easter break and be getting into that and um, and many other things as well. I'm impressed that you were able to name all the canvases. Yeah. Yeah. If someone sees this they're going to let me know if yeah. I missed anywhere but I don't think I did. Yeah that was pretty impressive but yeah that's a, you're going to have a busy time. Yeah. Um, I don't think people realize how many places you have to go to. Um, so now We've done this for four years, um, and unfortunately, since I'm graduating, this might have to be at least our last one for now. You know, um, now as most seniors do, as I have, um, 
you know, we reminisce about the four years. We, we look back on our four years, um, think about you know, our accomplishments, you know, the memories. Over your last four years, it might be harder for you to remember exactly the four-year period, but what are, what, when you look back on these last four years since 2013, what do you think these four years can be characterized in you know, USC history? Well, a time of uh, rapid uh, evolution. I'll start with the uh, material campus, the physical campus, and say uh, there are buildings here, of course, now that when you were a freshman were not here. Uh, the Moore School comes to mind, the uh, uh, several athletic facilities, including the indoor practice uh, field, um, a lot of renovations, a lot of uh, 650 Lincoln, the new building there, uh, Foundation Square came together. Uh, a lot of uh, renovation of residence halls, the women's quad in Patterson, all of this happened really while we were here. Uh, and then uh, growth in the faculty, growth in the size of the student body, uh, Assembly Street, the number of students who cross Assembly Street relative to when you came is uh, totally different. Um, um, and um, and so even though it's a whirlwind and the time passed quickly, really a lot has changed. And then, of course, the presidential elections. You came in with a uh, Democratic president and leaving with a Republican president and, and the changes that uh, seem to be looming. Uh, but I'm excited and optimistic. I think you are uh, entering... Uh, the world or the job market at a better time. I, mean, I just think it's less constrained than four years ago from an employment uh, point of view. And um, and I, you know, I'm a person who looks at the glasses half full rather than half empty. And I think I think the students coming in behind you will find an even better university and hopefully an even better world when they graduate. I hope so too. Now, is there anything that I didn't ask that you would like to? Uh... Well, we didn't talk music, you know. Yeah, you when, you know, when you first started interviewing me, I got to know you as a music mm -hmm. show host. It's true. And I stereotyped you <laughs> in that way. And now uh, we talk about the world, mm -hmm. the university, but rarely about music. So that's just something I would ask you, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Because um, you, you taught me about Drake. <laughs> and I would ask you today, who's on your horizon and who might you listen to or anyone you would recommend I give a listen to? Well, you mentioned Drake. Drake actually released a new album not too long, okay. only a few days ago. So uh, you should give that a check. Okay. Um, but right now, um, probably the two names that are on my playlist have to be The Weeknd, um, the, you know, the pop singer. Um, he's had a lot of chop, top charting songs recently. And then also, two other names actually. Future, who's a rapper. Um, a little more rap than Drake is. Then also, recently, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. I, a little twist, but you know, I gotta, I gotta change it up sometimes. Okay. You know? Well, how about you? I know well, you, you love music. Two, are they people or are they things? Yeah, <laughs> that's a very. Future. That, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, are, they are, believe it or not, people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'm. I'm still going to stick with my uh, tried and true, the Almond Brothers. Mm -hmm. Hey, last night I wanted to go to sleep and having a little trouble. I put on some old Linda Ronstadt, great mm. singer. A little bit of a country twang, but also a little folky. Uh, Blue Bayou, a Roy Orbison song. You ought to listen to her version of that. Patricia, my wife, a little different. She would be more on the uh, 
Bruno Mars. Mm. Um, Face the pop. You know, Bruno Mars and other. Uh, and then we uh, saw a great uh, band uh, this past Saturday night, Chicago from the past. Uh, uh, one of the big, uh, big horn bands along with Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And they're still, they're still blowing. Yeah, I, I can imagine that they can sound pretty nice. Um, we have Darius Rucker coming up. We and do. I know that was a big deal. I remember you uh, talking with him before the football season. Will you be going to that? Absolutely. Uh, I just got an update on that. I think it'll be a sellout. Uh, may, you know, 90% students, uh, free tickets. Uh, it'll be, you know, we had a real dilemma about doing it on the horseshoe or at the arena, and weather is just so unpredictable, uh, and it's going to be so big. I mean, we're talking about more than 10,000 people there and uh, it could have worked on the horseshoe but you get you know possibility of thunder he had no opportunity he had no time in his schedule to say hey, I'll do it tomorrow night he could not have worked so it either would have gone on beautifully or been called off and so we thought the arena was a safer uh, in that way uh, a safer venue uh, but it's going to be very Gamecock themed it's not it is a Darius Rucker concert, and I think you're going to hear some of his new music, too, if you go. But it's going to be very Gamecock-themed. That's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be a really nice way to kind of start ending the semester um, and kind of look forward to a bright football schedule and season next year. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for coming back on the show um, and doing another interview. These, uh, I think this is our seventh Wow. I know. It's, we've done a lot. and um, More than any other student in more, yeah, more than anyone. my history and probably than any, you know, any president in the history of really? the university. Yeah. I think, I think I've had... Seven times. I think I have, I've had you on the show more than anyone else as well. You know? So, but, you know... It's like Saturday Night Live when they come and say, <laughs> you know, this is the seventh yeah. Uh huh. This is the, we're in the seven club right now. <laughs> I wish you a lot of luck. And, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I'll see you at commencement, if not not at the Darius concert. Yeah, I'll be I'll, I'll be there working the concert. Oh, okay. Yeah, setting it up. So all those videos and audio you'll see. I put it up. Um, yes. You know, thank you so much. You know, these seven interviews have been great. I couldn't have asked for better interviews. And I wish, thank you. And I want to wish you uh, after I graduate. I want to wish you luck with. Running the best university in the world. Well, come back as a graduate and let's do a, a faux interview. Let's do it. We, we we won't run them, but put the we'll put some cameras. <laughs> we'll turn them on and we'll just talk. We'll just that. talk. That's that sounds like a deal. Well, thank you, thank you so much. Look forward to it, Brian. Thank you. Thank you.